Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10, tonight we'll look at uh, the whole section on um, Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Um, John chapter 10 isn't the first place we hear about Jesus or about the Lord as a shepherd. Um, you can think back and think of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I uh, believe that was probably about the first Bible verse. If my mom's shaking her head, it was the first Bible verse I ever learned. And I can remember learning that verse, and I totally did not understand it at the time. I, I heard the words, the Lord is my shepherd that I don't want. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought it meant. That the Lord is my, because we don't use want the same way as they used it back then. Uh, now, I think maybe it's more appropriate to say, I shall not lack. I shall not be in want, is the idea. But, but uh, as a child, memory, memorizing that verse, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I didn't know any better. And I thought, that just doesn't make any sense to me. The Lord is my shepherd that I don't want? <laughs> no. The deep truth that's there is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I won't lack anything. The Lord will be there to care for me. The Lord will lead me beside quiet waters. The Lord will restore my soul. The Lord will make me lie down in green pastures. The Lord is our shepherd. And this idea of a flock being the people of God, it goes way back as well. You look at the book of Numbers and Moses is coming to the end of his life and Joshua is going to be the successor of Moses. And, and Moses, before Joshua is chosen, Moses pleads with the Lord and, and says, Lord, uh, I'm getting it a little confused. I think it's actually the other way around. The Lord tells Moses, I have to go look at it later. The Lord tells Moses, appoint Joshua as the new leader of the people so that the people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So they're not scattered all over the place with no one to lead them and to take care of them and to lead them into the promised land. And the passage in Ezekiel that um, Bradley read from, you, you see this idea that the shepherds of Israel were mistreating the sheep. Now what is that talking about? Is that talking about the priests? They're talking about the religious leaders. Well, maybe that's part of the idea, but I actually think it's probably more likely the kings. About how the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah, we had some that were good, some that were really, really bad. They were all sinners. No one measured up. And, and always they were the Lord in the, in the Scriptures. It was, it was pointing to one who will be like David. One who will be the son of David, who will sit on his throne, looking at that messianic promise of the son that would sit on David's throne forever. And as we look at Ezekiel, you have this line of kings that were mistreating God's people. 
They were slaughtering them and eating for themselves instead of feeding and taking care of the sheep. And so the Lord says, enough of this. Enough of, my, of these shepherds who are faithless ravaging my sheep. Enough of this. The shepherds acting like wolves themselves. Instead, I'm going to come down. And I'm going to be the shepherd. And he ends that passage towards, the, towards verse 24 and saying, My servant David will be the one who will make them one flock with one shepherd. And as Israel heard that, you, you know you have Israel and Judah who were divided because of what happened under Rehoboam and, and how the, the kingdom was divided into Israel and Judah. And God says, no longer will they be divided, but there will be one people, one shepherd, one flock. The Lord is our shepherd. Only He can take care of all of our needs. And Jesus here, whenever He says, I am the good shepherd, in contrast to all those bad shepherds that had come before, I think what he's saying is I'm the fulfillment of what Ezekiel wrote about. When God comes down and he's the shepherd of his sheep. When the servant of David, when the servant David, the one who would sit on David's throne forever comes and he is the good shepherd. When Jesus says He's the Good Shepherd, He is the fulfillment of what God has planned. No longer will His people be scattered. No longer will the shepherds of Israel mistreat them, but He will take care of them and give them good where they'd been mistreated before. We'll read our passage from John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, into the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by any other way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for he did not know, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. 
I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and, I, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my, sheep, my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. This charge I have received from my Father. There was a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that through your word, the voice of Jesus speaks to us tonight. As we hear your word, you are calling out to us. And your sheep hear. Lord, we pray that you would help us. Lord, that you would help us to have ears that hear and eyes that see. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to take in your word, to hear your voice and do what you say. And Lord, be with me. Help me to imitate the Good Shepherd. Help me not to be like the hireling that runs when the wolves come. Help me to be a servant to this church. And Father, I pray that you would uh, give me grace, for I am weak and powerless to do anything apart from your Holy Spirit and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll begin with verse 1. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. The sheepfold, let me back up just a little bit. Jesus here is using what John calls in verse 6 a figure of speech. You can see it there in verse 6. It's a figure of speech. 
Um, there are lots of different kinds of figures of speech that we may have learned about in school as we were growing up. Metaphor, simile. Um, I think what Jesus is using here is an allegory. Now, the allegorical method of, of interpreting Scripture is not really the best way to go. I mean, uh, the, the allegorical method is like everything you see in the Bible, you make this correspond to this and this correspond to this. And uh, it's been said with the allegorical method, you can make the Scripture stand up and walk on all fours. But here, the text is telling us Jesus is using a figure of speech. And I, I think it's really clear he's using the figure of allegory. He's saying that his people, the, 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 the group of followers that he has, his disciples, the ones who he's going to lay his life down for, are sheep. They're a flock of sheep. And he's telling who he is. And then throughout this whole passage, he's, he actually says that there's more than one thing that he is. First off, he says, I'm the door. Well, he says, it's a couple verses later. It's not in verse 1. But he says, I'm the door. He says, he who doesn't enter the sheepfold by the door climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. Jesus is that door. He's the way you get into being a part of God's people. It's the way you get into being the flock. The flock is God's people. The one who the shepherd lays his life down for. And he says, there are people who try to get in by other ways. The, shepherd, the flock of sheep, that's God's people, and there are people who try to climb in by other ways, to try to climb in, maybe to, to break in by, by, by um, digging a hole through or something like that and, and trying to get in that way or climbing up over to get in. And Jesus says, someone who does that is a thief and a robber. What are some examples of the way someone might do that? Moral effort. Trying to make ourselves acceptable to God by our own works, by our own goodness. Every other religion does that. You look at Islam, you look at Buddhism, you look at Mormonism, you look at anything else besides the fact that Christ laid out His life for us, and it's all about moralism. It's all about making yourself so good that God will somehow accept you. Jesus here is saying anyone who climbs up in to try to enter the sheepfold by any other way than the door is a thief and a robber. If you're trying to make yourself acceptable to God by any other way than through the door, which is Jesus, it's morally compromised. It's not just the wrong way. Jesus is saying you're culpable for it if you're trying any other way besides the door. Then he says, verse 2, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. This is kind of strange because later he not only says he's the door, but he also says he is the door. I'm going to just pass on a little bit here because it is kind of confusing. The one who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. We're going to follow up the next verse to him, the gatekeeper opens. 
We'll just kind of carry out this analogy. You know, the thing with allegories is they always break down. You can't make every point mean something. But we'll just say the gatekeeper is the father. So the gatekeeper opens the door for the shepherd. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. Who's he talking about? It's Jesus. It's, It's the shepherd. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. In this analogy, in this metaphor, in this allegory, Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep who goes to his sheep and he calls out. And what is he calling out with? It's the preaching of the word, it's the preaching of the gospel. He's calling out, and who hears his voice? His sheep. His sheep are the ones who hear his voice. There are others that he's calling out, and they hear it, but they ignore it. They hear it, but as Isaiah says, they hear without hearing, they see without seeing. But it's his sheep. It's the one whose he's called that he knows by name that hear His voice. If you are a follower of Jesus today, it's because Jesus, through His Word, through the preaching of the Gospel, called you. He knew you by name from the foundation of the world. He knew you and He called you. And when you heard His voice calling, you recognized it because you were His sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. What is it that believers are to do? We follow the shepherd. What is a disciple? We're ones who follow Jesus. We're following after Jesus If we're a sheep, if we've heard His voice, discipleship, what we do after Jesus calls us is following Him. Following after Him. Listening to His voice. Listening as He instructs us this way or that way. But always following the voice of Jesus. Verse 5. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. There are strangers out there. There are false teachers out there. There are those who give a compromised gospel. There are those who have different different religions that will try to give you a different way to God other than through Jesus. There are others who will call themselves Christians, may talk about Jesus, but they'll try to say that the way to Jesus is through moral effort, through trying to clean yourself up and not through trusting in what He did. But the true sheep... If you are a believer, you don't listen to them. You don't hear them. You can recognize, that's not the voice of my shepherd. That's not the voice of Jesus. And instead you follow Jesus' voice. 
There are many who start following. Who start following. Jesus tells the parable of, of, those, of the sower where there are, you know, there are the different kinds of soils. And some of the seeds fall on the path. And some of the seeds fall on the stony ground. And some of the seeds fall on the thorns. And some of the seeds fall on good soil. They all... Those who fall on the path, the birds come and eat them up before they can grow. But some, like the ones that fell on the rocky soil and the thorny soil, they grow up. The rocky soil withers away because it didn't have any roots. And the ones among the thorns, they grow up, but they're choked out by the cares of this world. And there are some who give that appearance that initial appearance of following Jesus, yet they may turn away. Jesus here is saying, my sheep won't listen to the voice of a stranger. There may be some who make a profession of faith uh, that they believe in Jesus as a child, but then as they grow, they may run into some kind of false teacher and start going the other way. Listening after them. If they don't turn from that, they're lost. They were never one of Jesus' sheep. Instead, they listened to a voice of a stranger and went away. Verse 6, As I said, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what He was saying to them. Verse 7, Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. There he is. He says it. This goes right along with John later in the, in the book. John 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. When Jesus says, I am the door, he's referring to verse 1 where he says, if you've got to try to get into any other way besides through the door, you're a thief and a robber. Jesus is saying, I'm that door. You've got to get in through me, not by cleaning up yourself, not trying to be a good person, not trying to help the poor and all kinds of things like that. All those, those are good things and those are things that Jesus will lead us to do. The way we enter is through Jesus through trusting in Him, through looking to Him, identifying with Him, His blood and righteousness. Verse 8, All who came before Me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. Maybe this is a reference to the shepherds of Israel, the kings that came before, the ones who mistreated the sheep. They were thieves. They were robbers. But the son of David who finally came, he is the good shepherd. Sheep didn't listen to them. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find good pasture. Listen to that. Do you want to know how to be saved? We talk about this. You know, I, I had a conversation with one of the kids here in the community when we were, when we were um, um, power washing. And 
One of the kids that had come with the trip said that they had gotten saved, that their youth leader had, had shared the gospel with them, they trusted in Christ, and, and so she was telling one of the boys here in this community about how she got saved, and that's great. And he said, well, I want to know how to be saved. Well, I said, well, first of all, do you know what you need to be saved from? Do you know what it is? Do you... And he said, no. So I explained to him, well, the fact is we are all sinners. We deserve God's righteous wrath upon us. We need to be saved from the judgment that comes to us. And the way that we're saved is by trusting in Jesus. Trusting that, that what He did took our place. I said, you can, you can cry out to God. You can ask Him to forgive your sins. I asked him, are you ready to do that? He said, no, not ready. But we still have a relationship with him. And we'll continue to share the gospel with him. We pray that he will hear Jesus' voice. Jesus says, if anyone hears me, he will be saved. How are we saved? By hearing the voice of Jesus. By hearing. Hebrews tells us by faith, uh, hearing, faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the Word of God. It also tells us how shall they know unless they have a preacher? How shall they hear about this gospel unless someone goes and tells them? Because that's the way we're saved. We're saved by hearing the gospel. You know what? The more we share the gospel in this community, the more people will be saved. Jesus says, if they hear my voice, and when we go as his sheep and proclaim Jesus, proclaim the gospel, that's an opportunity for people to hear the voice of of Jesus. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. It means he, he will go in and out and find pasture. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going to leave the people of God. It means that he has freedom. He's not constrained, but he'll be able to wander around, not wander away from Jesus, but he'll be able to go freely and he'll find good pasture. Thinking back to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He feeds us. We're taken care of. He takes care of all of our needs. In verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief, again, that's those people who are trying to find another way. Trying to find another way into God's people other than through Jesus. That's who the thief is. And while they may look good, like good moral people on the outside, Jesus calls them a thief because they're trying to get in another way besides through Him. The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. They might not even know it. 
They may be proclaiming some other message that makes them look like good people and people may see them with a good reputation. And yet in reality, what they're doing is leading people down the road to death. They come to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. He's not like the shepherds of Israel who came before him. He's not like all the descendants of David, that line of kings that leads to him. He's the good shepherd. All who came before him were thieves and robbers. But he's the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. What was it those other shepherds were doing? The shepherds of Israel, they were feeding themselves. They were bringing glory to themselves. They were doing all kinds of things, but it was all self-centered. What does Jesus say? It's not self-centered. He's laying his life down for his sheep. He's dying for His sheep. He's taking on a cross, walking up the hill of Golgotha, and dying for us. That's how the Good Shepherd takes, lays down His life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not know the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Jesus saw a wolf coming. He saw the torturous agony that was coming His way. But you know what He didn't do? He didn't run from it. He waited there and He took the full wrath of God on our behalf. He didn't run. But He took on everything that was coming at him in the, and coming at us and threw himself in the way of all that wrath that was headed our way. A hireling wouldn't do that. When I think about this passage, I think about it a lot in terms of imitation of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He took it all in our behalf. He laid down His life. He was suffering servant in our behalf. And that's the way a pastor should be. We find so many pastors who when things get tough, when someone criticizes them, the first thing they do is tuck tail and run. And what does Jesus say? That's the sign of a hireling. When he saw the wolves coming, he tucked tail and ran. And he left the sheep behind because he didn't really care about the sheep. If you want to be a pastor, Bradley, who cares about the sheep, if you want to imitate Jesus, when you see the wolf coming, don't run. Stand there. Defend the sheep. Lay down your life if necessary for the sheep. That's what a faithful pastor needs to do. Verse 13. 
He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Do you know how well Jesus knows you? If you're one of His sheep, do you know how well He knows you? He knows you just as He is known by the Father and the Father knows Him. (laughs) Isn't that great? (laughs) Jesus, the Word who became flesh, the One who was with God at the beginning, who had always been with the Father, always been at the Father's side, who had always experienced this love between the Father and the Son, That's what Jesus says, how well He knows us. What an amazing thing to think, God, that Jesus knows me that well. He cares about me that much. Verse 15, oh, verse 16, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. That must have confused the Jews. Rhymed. What was Jesus meaning? I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Were, were the disciples listening to Jesus and what, what they thought? Or I think this is a reference to the fact that Jesus, while He came to lay down His life for His people, and His people were known as Israel, He had other sheep that were not of this fold. He had Gentiles. He had you and me. He had other sheep that are not of this fold, the fold that the the Jewish people thought of. Jesus' flock was bigger than just Israel. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So as Paul took the Gospel to the Romans and to the Greeks and to eventually to us, Jesus had confidence that as the Gospel went out, the people would hear Jesus' voice calling through the preaching. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. That those who believe in Christ, who are trusting in Him, both Jew and Greek, will be together as one flock under one shepherd. Just like Ezekiel. How did Ezekiel's passage end? So they will be one flock and one shepherd. And Jesus here is saying, those who are the Jewish people who are hearing My voice, those who are Gentiles who are hearing My voice, will be one flock under one shepherd. All God's people. Verse 17, For this reason the Father loves me, that I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. It's interesting. The Father and the Son had existed from all eternity. The Father and the Son had had this relationship from all eternity of love between them. And yet Jesus says, for this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. This can begin to boggle our minds to think about the Trinity. To think about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit 
But the Father was delighted in the Son for what He was doing, that He came, that God would be glorified and magnified by His people because Jesus came and He laid down His life only to take it up again. And then Jesus says, No one takes it from Me, but I lay it down of My own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. This charge I received from my Father. There's always been debate. Well, who killed Jesus? Was it the Romans? Was it the Greeks? No, not the Greeks. Was it the Jews? Jesus here says, I gave it willingly. I came to lay down my life willingly. Jesus was not murdered He came and He gave His life willingly as a sacrifice. And it says He received this charge from His Father. The way the Trinity works together, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father gave this command that the Son go and lay down His life. And Jesus willingly goes and submits to His Father's will. Verse 19 We pick it up at the end of what Jesus was saying and there was this division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon. He's insane. Why listen to Him? Think about what Jesus was claiming. If you're going to be one of God's people, you have to come through Me. I'm the Good Shepherd. I'm the one, when Ezekiel says, the Lord will come down and be the good shepherd that will make His people one flock and one shepherd, Jesus is saying, I'm that guy. I'm the Lord. He's saying, no one's going to come to the Father but through Me. Through the door. And naturally, if Jesus wasn't who He said He was, these Jews would be right. He has a demon. He's crazy. He's insane. But he was right. He was who he said he was. He was the God-man. And he proved it when he rose from the dead. But then others, they didn't all think Jesus was crazy. They said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? When we look back to chapter 9, remember this was the story where Jesus healed a blind man who was blind from birth. And their question when has anyone ever seen this? Has anyone ever seen a man who was blind from birth who received his sight? And the answer was that you can't find it in the Old Testament. Nowhere was a man who was blind from birth received his sight in the Old Testament. It had never been done. But the Bible tells us in in Psalms and in Isaiah that the Lord is the one who opens the eyes of the blind. So when these people were saying, can a demon open the eyes of a blind? They surely knew, no, the Bible tells us the Lord is the one who opens the eyes of the blind. They were recognizing if He can open the eyes of a blind man, He is exactly what He was saying. He is the one who is the shepherd who came down. He is the door who is the way into the sheepfold. So it all comes down to this. 
Whether we're here, whether we're listening online on Facebook, the question comes, do you hear the voice of Jesus? Do you hear the voice of Jesus? If you've heard Him calling to you, He is your shepherd. He's known you from the very beginning. He has known you and cared for you. He knows you like the Father knows the Son. And He loves you and He cares for you. You will never be in want. Are you following Jesus? Have you heard His voice? I think maybe I'm speaking mostly for those who might be watching online. Maybe you heard Jesus' voice tonight as I was speaking. Maybe something awakened in you. Whether you're here or whether you're online watching. If you heard Jesus' voice, let me know. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.